the CEOs that I've worked with, well, they'll see the vision. They'll feel the vision. They're excited about the vision and uh, explain the vision and the purpose and all of this. But when you start thinking about why would people resist? Think about all the different types of people that exist. You know, we all have our own values and beliefs and knowledge and experiences and biases. And ways of thinking and processing information. Correct. Yeah. So now I have that, but stakeholders, so employees and a whole host of other people that impact or are impacted by that vision are looking at it and interpreting it through the lens of their own values, beliefs, you know, and so on. And that sets up the visionary paradox. Welcome to CEO on the Go, the show about personal and professional growth for busy leaders like you. I'm Gail Lance, and I'm here to help you think differently, solve big problems, and inspire change. It's tough to do on your own and even with a team, but it is possible. So let's get started. Welcome to this special episode. I hope you had a chance to listen to my previous episode with David Jennings, author of Systemology. We talked about smart ways to systematize your business, and he offered lots of ideas to consider. Of course, having good systems in place helps you accelerate progress and growth. Speaking of which, today we're talking about growth, and not just regular growth, but game-changing growth. When you're trying to lead game-changing growth, there are unique challenges and opportunities. It's easy to hit roadblocks and wonder, why aren't we making faster progress? But when you understand there are three paradoxes at play, you can help your organization become less vulnerable to disruption so you can play a new game. And they're known as growth igniter paradoxes. I had the pleasure of speaking with not just one, but two awesome guests in this episode, they're longtime colleagues and friends of mine who happen to be partners in life and business, Pam Harper and Scott Harper. Pam is founding partner and CEO of Business Advancement, Inc., a strategic growth advisory firm based in New York City metro area. She's a trusted resource for CEOs, boards, C-suite executives, and entrepreneurial, mid-market, and Fortune 500 companies. Her insights have been featured in Bloomberg Business Week. Investors Business Daily, FEI Daily, and other media. She also hosts Growth Igniters Radio, where you can hear Pam and Scott talking with guests about issues of interest to top leaders. Scott Harper is senior partner with Business Advancement, Inc. He's a visionary innovator with impressive background in the consumer healthcare industry. He helps leadership teams accelerate the connection between their vision and actual business outcomes, something that many organizations are trying to accomplish. So you can find more details about their firm and Pam's speaker site in the links provided in the show notes. Interestingly, all three of us come from the corporate world, having worked for large corporations before founding our own consulting businesses. So we all have that in common. If you're ready to break the orbit of status quo and reach new heights, you'll appreciate hearing their insights today. Enjoy my conversation with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. Pam and Scott, welcome to the podcast today. I'm so excited that you're here. Oh, we're great. Uh, we're happy to join you. 
Absolutely. This is a unique one for us because we've never been interviewed together before. I know. Yeah, you do so much interviewing of others together. So yeah, and we'll talk about that. But I'm thrilled to have you here because I've been on this streak of doing a bunch of solo episodes for a while. So now I'm making up for it by having two people on at the same time to have a conversation. So um, Pam, you and I go way back. I know that we met, I think, through a publishing workshop in our consulting experience many years ago. And I've just been so impressed with what you with what you and, and Scott have both done over the years to support organizations. And the theme of our conversation today is igniting game-changing growth. I know that that is your sweet spot and you have so much expertise to share. So I just thought we could could talk a little bit about that. But to, to set the stage, if you could share, Pam, first, kind of what brought you to the work that you do, and then we'll go to Scott so that people can get a better sense of your backgrounds. Well, I started out like many consultants uh, inside corporate for starters. And I happened to work with a series of companies that were going through absolute upheaval before it was fashionable, as I call it. And uh, I was coming in leading organizational development functions. And so I was the intermediary between top leadership and the rest of the organization. And it was such an exciting thing to do to go in there and everybody be running around going, we're on a mission. (laughs) And uh, instead of continuing to grow, well, we grew for a little while in each case. I mean, it was the weirdest thing. So we grow for a little while and then suddenly things would start going backwards almost. And what was happening, and this is before people talked about disruption, really, uh, was that these companies were getting disrupted by unexpected changes in the environment. And so I became very familiar with what people called upheaval. And they used to say, you understand us, we're going nuts. And I'd say, all too well. And I rose up the ladder. I kicked myself up the ladder in corporate and uh, finally got to a point where I said, you know, it's better to be outside to understand what's going on inside. I became a consultant. I saw it continue over time. And uh, it led me to a point where I said, what is going on if there are so many best practices in leadership and management? Why is long-term success still so elusive? And I went on a long search. And you know that I wrote a book Uh, which was published in 2003 called Preventing Strategic Gridlock, still on Amazon. Uh, But it was about responding and adapting to unanticipated problems and kind of linear in one sense. And uh, what ended up happening is that I kept watching the world changing and I started discovering because I was chairing leadership conferences. I was a founder of a conference called the Corporate Growth Conference for the Association for Corporate Growth. And one of the things that we saw was that there were CEOs of companies that were not just trying to avoid the problems. They were leading to proactively reinvent their companies and uh, have game-changing growth. And they did it over and over again. I said, this is amazing. And so I'm going to stop at this point because that comes into the picture. Yeah. So, Scott, tell me your story. How did you get involved? <laughs> well, I, I never expected to be a uh, strategic uh, growth consultant. I started out uh, as a, a PhD in microbiology, studying the bacteria that cause tooth decay and gum disease. And uh, I came to uh, dental school in New Jersey to do research and teach. 
and they closed. And I went to the company that made Listerine because I'd been doing contract research for them and uh, was in their R&D. And uh, it was a real shock to the system. Yeah, but I you know, worked in research first and then with marketing, developing uh, new products. Uh, I was part of the uh, Coolmit Listerine launch, which uh, was a real shakeup for a company that had a product on the market for 110 years and didn't want to change. And uh, eventually, uh, Pam mentioned her book. Uh, what she didn't mention was that I was uh, silent. A development editor for her. Yes, he was. So yes. she she bounced <laughs> ideas back off of me and and takes a team. She did not smother me in my sleep. So yeah. <laughs> we still like each we other. We still like each other. And one of the cool things about that is I actually became a better leader in in the corporate setting because of the concepts that Pam had developed, and it got me at least a couple promotions. And we said, you know, this is cool. Someday it'd be nice to work together. When the sun and the moon and the stars align, you know. And uh, my division was sold. And a couple of years later, they laid off about 6,000 people. I was one of them. And Pam said, go get your headshot. That's right. (laughs) The rest is history. (laughs) And so uh, Pam is fabulous at, at big picture and putting together all these weird breadcrumbs and, and patterns and themes that are not obvious. Uh, I love innovation, been doing it for a long time, and uh, we work out together. Yeah. Well, I, like I said before, you complement each other in more ways than one. It's great to see. Um, and I do want to d- jump into our, our main topic today and get to some of the highlights and key points that I think will be really interesting to um, executives and leaders that are listening in to our, our conversation. And I just wanted to start out with the question, Pam, to you, uh, because you talk about untangling the knot. What does that mean? Help us understand that as a starting, I guess, context to understand what we'll be focusing on today. Okay. Well, one of the things I mentioned was these CEOs who had been igniting game-changing growth and doing it over and over again. And I do look at patterns and themes. And one of the things I noticed as I was working with these uh, CEOs is they uh, would talk about tremendous ambiguity that they were starting to go through and facing, which is just gut-wrenching, of course. And when I was originally coming in, I'd say, well, what's the problem? You know, that's where we all start. And over time, what I noticed is it wasn't the problem. It was that there were different paradoxical situations that were going on, and not just one, but three uh, that I started noticing coming all together, appearing together like a knot that was hard to untangle. And so the more that I started understanding the unique contributions of each of the paradoxes, we started calling them the growth igniters paradoxes. Very important. You know, we said, these are the ones that come up most when a a CEO and the top leadership team are taking their company in a dramatically different direction. And they'll show up a little differently in each company, of course, because we're talking about a mix of the rational thinking and the carefully shaped aspirational culture. And at the same time, the informal culture, you know, what really happens, what people really believe. 
how they work together. So the knot that I'm talking about shows up as a tangle. You know, it can feel that way. Like, how do you figure out how to get to it? And that's what we worked on. And that's what we we are talking about. Good. So I understand you've identified three different paradoxes, the visionary paradox, the success paradox and the momentum paradox. And so the one that I have, you know, a special interest in is the visionary paradox. And a lot of the organizations that I'm working with, I think, too, would love to learn more about that. We'll see what time will permit, but help us understand what is the visionary paradox? In a nutshell, the bolder the vision, the stronger the pushback. And you think, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I have this. Yeah. Wouldn't people want to move toward a bold vision? You would think so. You would think so, especially because it can be so appealing. I mean, the CEOs that I've worked with, well, they'll see the vision, they'll feel the vision, they're excited about the vision and uh, explain the vision and the purpose and all of this. But when you start thinking about why would people resist? Think about all the different types of people that exist. You know, we all have our own values and beliefs and knowledge and experiences and biases. And ways of thinking and processing information. Correct. Yeah. So now I have that, but stakeholders, so employees and a whole host of other people that impact or are impacted by that vision are looking at it and interpreting it through the lens of their own values, beliefs, you know, and so on. And that sets up the visionary paradox. Interesting. And I'm guessing, Scott, in your experience, you've been through some changes. And as a researcher, more analytical type, um, I would guess sometimes you you would want to make sure that you would have enough data or, you know, really look through the issues carefully. The, the thing that uh, I was charged with in, as an innovator and technology development to do new things for, to serve our customers was the first thing was what the heck are we doing? You know, why are we doing it? What, you know, yeah, we can do this thing, but should we do this thing? And uh, sometimes someone uh, in product management or way up in the ranks would say, Hey, we should do, you know, X, Y, Z. And um, my first question was always why, uh, you know, what, what need does this fulfill? And yeah, and uh, we didn't always match. And I had to learn to get more curious about, okay, what, what's behind that want, that need? Uh, and how can I figure out how to do that? Or if I can't do it this way, can we do it another way? And so it's that, that matching up that vision and trying to understand it. And as I was higher up and I had visions, and said, you know, we should do this. The people would say, why? (laughs) (laughs) And I I had to get curious about, well, what's behind that? What do they know that I don't know? Or what do I know that they don't know? Because a lot of times, I mean, Pam has stories about this. uh, People at the top have a great vision, but they don't necessarily convey that to the rest of the company. Oh, I had one situation where... Uh, the CEO and C-suite were so excited. They were having their best year ever and they were growing and getting ready to acquire a company. They weren't talking to anybody about what was going on. People are watching this company going through changes and they're starting 
they started to take the idea that the company was actually closing. The employees did, yeah. Oh, you're kidding. Employees. Nope. Okay. The morale was tanking. And they said, we can't figure out why people would be so upset. Well, they thought that they were all going to lose their jobs. The communication gap that severe. Yeah. I would say that's even more reason to communicate more frequently with the pace of change that we have today is for senior executives to keep keep them in the know to the extent that they can. And to your point, Scott, like let them know the why, not just here's where we're going, but here's why. And and the thing, though, Gail, is that explaining the why, well, this is our purpose and this is how this meets our purpose and so on. That's not always enough. Yeah. So what do you suggest? Well, First of all, one of the things I would I would definitely say is that when you're thinking in paradox land, uh, there are opportunities and challenges embedded in both. And it's very important, rather than explaining, is to help to be very clear about the fact that nothing is perfect and nothing is inevitably horrible. Uh, you take the best from both of the sides of the paradox. So you can have support for a vision and also others who do not support it. And rather than looking at it as, oh, those people don't get it. They're terrible. They're wrong. Uh, Right. Instead of that, looking at what would be behind that opposition? What are they looking at maybe that we're not seeing? Do they have... Uh, an understanding of the market that maybe we don't have because they're talking with different people. So I think that the explaining part, sure, it's important to understand the, oh, yeah. the um, context. But at the other side of it, what we're really saying about embracing paradoxical thinking and the visionary paradox specifically is looking at what do people say, not as a problem, but as a possible uh, entryway to unseen challenges, as well as emerging opportunities. And that's really critical because when you start looking at pushback or opposition, not as a problem to be overcome, but as an opportunity to be uh, taken advantage of and to be explored, that's when you get this better sense of, oh, you understand me. Okay, you're listening to me. You're getting curious. You're asking questions. You're not just telling me. Because you you can get people really locked into their position. Neuroscientists have shown that if you go fact, 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 this is why, this is why, this is why, people go, yeah, uh-uh. <laughs> yeah, that's so interesting. I'm so glad that you bring that up because it reminds me of one of the, the best leaders I've had the privilege to work with. And his approach to that when people didn't go along with the vision is to accept it, you know, not to your point, not trying to push it uh, to force them to understand it, but to, to be inquisitive and just to accept that you're never going to bring 100% of your people along. And you, you have to kind of be okay with that, you know, and not think that there's something wrong with you that you can't get these people over the line, mm-hmm. you know, to That's see the things the same way. Yeah, to not have a judgment on yourself about it is my yeah. point. Yeah, <laughs> That's true. And what we're saying is even going a step farther. And if you don't get any pushback, look for it. <laughs> look for it because that's where the value is. Uh, and some people will never tell you. So you have to look at actions like, is there unusual attrition? Is there unusual low morale? Uh, are are there people other saying, things? yeah, 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 but that's not moving? Yeah, missed goals, things like that. Because 
it's important to get it all out, see the most complete picture you can. Yeah. Well, especially with so much emphasis on diversity of uh, people and thinking, like you said before, to find ways to honor that, to explore that uh, will only make the organization that that much uh, better. So for leaders to um, to facilitate that process is a great thing to do. Good. Well, anything else on the visionary paradox before we move on to the success paradox? Because I'd like to explore that too. Okay. Well, I would say the most important thing, again, is to embrace the visionary paradox. Uh, see all these different sides as an opportunity where you can get nuggets of gold as well as uh, an understanding of what else you might be encountering. Take it all together. And uh, from there, you can build some trust, Scott. And the last point that Pam is always hammering on uh, is, are you talking to the right people? Because we say, you know, you need to engage the key stakeholders who are impacted or impact this uh, vision. And sometimes, you know, visions change, things change, we can forget or overlook or not even be aware of, there are people out there or groups out there inside and outside the organization that can have a huge impact. And uh, if you leave them out, you can be in real trouble. Yeah, good point. So let's let's shift gears and talk about the success paradox and what that one is. Well, the success paradox is... The greater the push towards new success, the greater the pull of the status quo. And it is closely related and tangled up. It's you know part of the knot. And uh, you think, well, why would that be? You know, if we think that we're having these great conversations in the visionary paradox, which we might be. Vision makes sense to me. Yeah. Sure, we're all there talking about it. But it doesn't mean that people feel comfortable. So this is where emotions come in at a higher level. So, you know, we can say we want to transform and grow. We really mean it. And, you know, it can be really uncomfortable to leave behind the familiar status quo to go to a place that maybe is an unproven opportunity, which is, of course, game changing growth. We've never done it before. How do we know it's going to work? You know, there are plenty of people who uh, say, well, you know, the thing to do is to pull out the data, right? That's what we do, you know, and there's That's so the much go-to thing. Right. Exactly. So you pull out the data and you're looking at all these different reports and you're interpreting them and it's all important. You need the data. And then you have other people, just when you think you've made the, the case and they'll pull out counter interpretations of the data. I'm sure you've seen this and they start going round and round and round. I've spoken about this. One person just listened to me when I was uh, giving a keynote and he said, my blood pressure was rising as I was thinking about it. Because that's just like I what hate happens. when that happens. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it it's an orbit of the status quo and it, puts the every day that goes on puts the company at a very high risk of disruption. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have seen some leaders, they tend not to be the ones that work with me, but are really fighting hard to try to maintain the status quo. Sometimes it just feels easier or it's what they know, but you can't really afford to do that um, in today's world. So and the 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 thing is that it's natural. And I mean this is hardwired into our brains. We, you know, human beings evolved hundreds of thousands of years ago when the world was variable, but 
in a predictable way. You know, you had feast and famine, you had animals coming and going and predators and so on, but it was fairly predictable. And we learned our brains evolved to save time and energy to develop habitual thinking. Oh, this thing, ah, then that here's here's the thing, here's the reaction. And we get comfortable with that. It 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 is easier on on the the brain, on the metabolism of the brain. Uh, and so we like things that we can predict. Our brains are big prediction machines. And so when you go into the unknown, <laughs> you know, what does this mean to me? I, I've never done this before. Uh, I don't know who that person is. And so it can get very challenging. Yeah, I think too, sometimes people who are more drawn to the status quo feel like they have a stronger sense of control. Oh, yeah. Um, and of predictability, course. like you yeah. said. So, um, And yet it's an illusion. Yeah, I was going to say, illusion. yeah, the perception of control. Yeah. So. Right, right. But there is a way through it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's good what you all are doing to challenge people's thinking and to to help them really ignite game-changing growth. So I know that we're getting close to the end of our time, but I didn't know if there were some other thoughts. Um, I know we haven't had a chance to dive into the momentum paradox, but you're, you're welcome to touch on that or share some other uh, insights to leave people with to really help them, you know, do what you help help organizations do, really get to that next level. Well, I think that uh, I'll, I'll start it and Scott can keep going. But uh, the greater the ambiguity, which is absolutely the condition of game-changing growth, the more important it is to embrace these paradoxes, the growth igniters paradoxes that we're talking about, because it helps you to figure out when there are no clear signposts ahead. You know, that's not an easy thing. But being able to do this and uh, to recognize that it requires new conversations, and the conversations are the key. And uh, whether it's it's really looking at the visionary paradox for sure, and questions that can get at this different kind of perception that people have, uh, the success paradox, which again, what can we do to help people feel that they will have agency in going forward in this new direction. So the more personal control somebody feels that they can have, the better they feel about it. And the momentum paradox, which we didn't touch on, but we have a lot written on, um, that goes to shared priorities and the importance of getting the elephants in the room out into the open. Because when people can trust each other and build these trusting relationships, that helps to cement maybe the commitment that it takes to keep on going no matter what lies ahead. Yeah, those are helpful, helpful thoughts. Anything to add, Scott? Well, it goes back to the beginning where Pam talked about embracing these paradoxes. And at the risk of repeating a little bit, uh, it's that embracing, it's the accepting that there is good in both sides. And there's good in, in support. There's good in opposition. It creates a richer picture and uh, can highlight things that we never expected, we never thought about. And it's the creating an environment where people feel that they are rewarded for speaking up instead of beaten down. That, that is where the richness of the paradox comes in. 
Yeah. So helping not only leaders understand the different paradoxes, but the employees or the organization as a whole. Absolutely. To embrace them. Excellent. Well, I'm I'm happy to share the best way to contact you to find out about the work that you're doing and other resources. And even this article, you know, you had shared with me an article that goes into more depth about the paradoxes. So I'm happy to include that in the show notes. So what is the best way for people to, to find you? You can find us uh, everything from if you want to listen to Growth Igniters Radio, which is our podcast. It's wherever you pick up your podcasts. And uh, we also have it at growthignitersradio.com. Businessadvance.com is our website for advisory work. And we also have more materials there and all kinds of articles. Uh, And Pam Harper Speaks where I give keynotes about growth igniters and other kinds of things related to game-changing growth. That's fantastic. I encourage people to really check out your podcast, especially because like you said, you started it uh, in the wild west of podcasting, as I think you said, Pam, the other day, and um, we're in it in the early stages and have produced so much valuable content that people can benefit from. So... Very good. Well, thank you both for joining me and sharing some insights that I know will be helpful that will definitely get people's wheels turning and thinking about things differently and um, look forward to seeing where you go from here and how you're helping other organizations continue to ignite game-changing growth. So thanks so much. Thanks, Gail. Our pleasure. And for everyone else listening in, I hope you have a wonderful rest of the week igniting game-changing growth in your own organization in the ways that work for you. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, be sure to share this episode with someone else who might benefit or leave a review. You can join my email list by going to workmatters.com so you don't miss an episode. And there you can learn more about ways we serve mission-driven leaders like you. If there's a challenge you want to discuss, I'd love to hear from you. In the meantime, keep growing as a leader, inspiring change, and doing the work that matters to you.